Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, Tom Harbin here. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. It's supported by advertising. So after this brief message, we'll get right into it. This podcast is brought to you in part by BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. It's the first chewable with the active ingredients of Viagra and Cialis. Ships straight to your door in a discreet package. No in-person doctor visits, no visits to the pharmacy. And with a special deal, you can get your first, your first uh, try of BlueChew uh, for free. Uh, visit BlueChew.com and just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, to try it for free. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. I hope you had a great uh, Labor Day holiday. The state of labor is pretty grim in the United States right now. Union membership, union participation is back down where it was like in the 1920s when they were still killing union members. Now they're just killing them by economics and politics. And of course, with guns, this tweet has pretty much gone viral. Poway AR-15, right? These are the, these, these mass murders. Poway AR-15, Aurora and AR-15, Dayton and AR-15, Odessa and AR-15, Orlando and AR-15, Parkland and AR-15, Las Vegas and AR-15, Tree of Life, Sandy Hook, Umpqua, Waffle House, Texas Church, San Bernardino, all AR-15s. And, gee, we can't do anything about this. Somebody uh, suggested over the weekend, and I, I retweeted it and said, I think this is brilliant, that, you know, the way that they name hurricanes used to be always women's names. Now they're both women and men, which is, you know, nice. <laughs> but we name hurricanes, right? We've got Dorian spinning off the coast of Florida right now. And this person suggested that we name massacres, so far, we've been naming them by where they happened. Oh, it's the Poway Massacre. Oh, it's the El Paso Massacre. Well, why not name them after a person who helped make them possible? Like this massacre that just happened last Saturday where, where a 17-month-old baby and uh, 20 other people got shot. Seven of them died. Uh, why don't we call that the Greg Abbott Massacre? Greg Abbott is the Republican governor of Texas. He tweeted a short while ago, uh, he, tw he tweeted an, ar an article from Cron.com. Um, the, uh, the headline was, of the article that Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, retweeted, the headline was, Texas request to buy guns t 
tops 1 million for year. The number requested by firearms in Texas has already topped 1 million for this year, but the Lone Star State still trails California, according to the FBI. So he tweets that story and he says, you know, his comment on the tweet is, I'm embarrassed. Texas is the number two in the nation for new gun purchases behind California. Let's pick up the pace, Texans. Uh, it's the Greg Abbott massacre. I mean, I don't know how else to say this. I mean, just, just a week or so before this most recent, before this Greg Abbott massacre, I mean, we're going to have to come up with somebody else to name the El Paso massacre after, I suppose, they're both in Texas. But anyhow, at the 2018 NRA convention, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, got up and gave a speech. He said, the answer to gun violence is not to take guns away. The answer is to strengthen the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizen. The problem is not guns, it's hearts without God. Right. Because throwing God into the political milieu always works so well, right? Uh, you know, Pakistan and India, Shias and Sunnis, you know, pick your conflict point in the Middle East. Catholics versus Protestants in Ireland. Yeah, God does so good at preventing people from killing people, right? You know, the belt buckles of the Nazi army, literally, the Nazi army had belt buckles that said, in quotes nomen, in God's name. We are fighting for, for Fuhrer and God. So anyhow, Texas, effective September 1st, these new laws went into effect day before yesterday, the day after the massacre, the Greg Abbott massacre in Texas. We got Senate Bill 535, which allows people to carry firearms in churches, synagogues, and other houses of worship. You got House Bill 2363, which loosens restrictions on the storage of firearms by foster parents. Oh, brilliant. Foster parents, by the way, uh, having been one, I can tell you, foster parents, by and large, are, are taking kids who are troubled. You know, I mean, if they're, if they're not in foster care specifically because of their behavior, which is typically not so much the case, they're in foster care because of their parents' behavior, which is totally off the wall, typically, you know, horribly abusive. And these kids are, you know, they're at much higher risk for suicide, first off, which is the main thing that happens when a gun is in a house. Your risk of suicide suddenly goes up 500%. And secondly, they're, they're at a high risk for, you know, accidental gun deaths or homicides. So, you know, Greg Abbott and the Republicans in Texas said, well, that's cool. Let's just let foster parents have guns in their houses. Well, won't that be special? Let's let people carry guns into churches and synagogues and other houses of worship. House Bill 535. Yeah, right. So when somebody walks in, you know, carrying a gun, you can't say, uh, sorry, sir, you got to step outside. Instead, it's like, uh, have a seat. And then they pull out the gun and start killing people, right? House Bill 1177 says that uh, if there's a state of disaster, you don't need a permit to carry a gun. Oh, that's, that's nice, right? You know where this came from, this kind of legislation. It's white people imagining that during a disaster, you know, this, this is the whole New Orleans thing, right? When black people were being shot as they tried to flee New Orleans by white people on the other side of the bridge. It's white people imagining in their fevered imagination and their Fox News bizarre worldview, white people imagining that, that black people or Hispanic people are going to break into their houses and steal their food if there's an emergency and they got to have guns. It's amazing. House Bill 121. These all went into effect day before yesterday. 
in Texas. Allows people to carry handguns into an establishment that bans firearms. In other words, you used to be able to have a restaurant, a store, a bar, and put a sign up that said, you know, basically no guns. Mm, sorry. I mean, you could have the sign, but people can ignore it now. House Bill 302, which prohibits landlords from banning tenants and their guests from carrying firearms and lease agreements. House Bill 1143, that allows people to store guns in cars in school parking lots. Oh, that's going to work out real well. So, you know, when your kid drives his, his new, you know, your 16-year-old drives his new car or his old clunker to school, eh, it's no problem. He can have a gun in the glove box. And if he gets seriously pissed off at the vice principal, well, hey, guess what's in the glove box? And that, that's kind of a companion piece to House Bill 1387, another piece of Texas legislation that Greg Abbott enthusiastically signed into law that took effect day before yesterday, the day after the most recent Greg Abbott massacre, that allows more armed marshals in Texas schools. No more psychologists, no more nurses, no more teachers, but we sure can't have cops in our schools, right? And this is all on top of the fact that Texas started out with the weakest gun laws in the country. Judd Legum did a, a great piece about this, by the way, over at popular.info. His newsletter, Popular Information, I subscribe to it. It comes out every weekday, and it's just brilliant. So there you go. Meanwhile, our media continuously miss the real news stories. I mean, the actual real news. I mean, as, as our children are being slaughtered by weapons of war that literally no other developed country on earth allows on its streets. You will not see a person walking down the street in Germany or Denmark or France or Spain or Italy or the United Kingdom with an AR-15. As, as our children continue to be slaughtered by these weapons of war, our media are completely failing to document the trail of money and lies from the weapons manufacturers directly to the front groups, and the NRA isn't the only one, directly into the pockets of politicians and political parties, specifically the Republican Party. Tim in DeKalb, Illinois. Hey, Tim, what's up? How you doing, sir? I definitely want sensible gun laws, and sitting right next to me is the hidden history of guns in the Second Amendment. So I do agree with you on many things, but what? the fairness doctrine, the, the fairness doctrine, could that really be brought back? And is there any chance of that coming back? Well, it, what the, the fairness doctrine is widely misunderstood. Um, people think that it, it meant that if you have a radio or television station and you carry an hour of my program, that you also have to carry an hour of Rush Limbaugh's program or something like that. And frankly, nobody would want that. I don't want the government sitting down and deciding what's liberal and what's conservative and what's balanced and what isn't balanced. And that's uh, particularly in the age of Trump. But anytime, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. What the fairness doctrine I, said. I applaud I'm sorry. Go ahead. I applaud, I applaud people like you that are progressives, and, and you take phone calls. You don't screen them. Your screener never asked if I was left, right, center, uh, whatever. They just took my phone call, and, I, and that's why I try to call the Tom Hartman shows because I do I do see things a little differently than you do when it comes to overall gun control. I would I would like to see sure. sensible gun laws, but I don't want to see things that are I don't want to see things confiscated and banned. 
from honest, law-abiding people. And most gun laws only affect honest, law-abiding people. They don't do anything to criminals. No, actually, most that, gun laws, if you look at how they, how they work in other countries, they affect an entire society. And that's, that's the level at which we need to talk about it. But let me finish the, the riff on the, okay. on the Fairness Doctrine. The Fairness Doctrine simply said that if you want to use the public airwaves for your radio station, television station, whatever it may be, satellite service, if you want to use those public airwaves, you have to broadcast in the public interest. That was the phrase. Broadcasting in the public interest. And what that was understood to mean, because you know, that was the law, and the FCC, of course, has to interpret and enforce the law. And the FCC's interpretation of that, and this came from, I think, 1927, from the, the Telecommunications Act, the first Telecommunications Act. What the FCC uh -huh. said was, if you present unbiased, Im impartial news at the top of every hour, you are programming in the public interest, and the rest of your programming is irrelevant. You can do sports, you can do music, you can have right-wingers rant, you can have left-wingers rant, doesn't matter. As long as you have that news, you have satisfied the requirement to program in the public interest. And that's why all the networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, they all literally lost money on their news operations. They had news bureaus all over the world. They had large news staffs. In some ways, they even competed to provide high-quality news at, at a cost because they made all this profit on their entertainment side programming. So when Reagan did away with that, what happened was all three networks within a year had moved their news division under their entertainment division and you know, over the course of the next five years or so basically stopped doing news. They cut back their bureaus all over the world. They laid off thousands, tens of thousands of reporters cumulatively and all that kind of stuff. So to gun laws, Tim. All right. Okay. I don't understand. We all agreed a long time ago that fully automatic weapons, which are clearly weapons of war, have no place on our streets. We all agreed a long time ago that shoulder-fired missiles, bazookas, things like that, had no place on our streets. We all agreed a long time ago that even little hand grenades that you could conceal in the pocket of your coat have no place on our streets. Mortars have no place on our street. I mean, we just outlawed all these things. And it's worked just fine. You don't see fully automatic weapons outside of shooting ranges. I mean, they're not actually illegal. They're just heavily regulated. You don't right, see... Right. That's you true. Yeah, and you don't see any of these other weapons outside of the military, and we're all the safer for it. And in countries where they don't have these laws, like Iraq and Afghanistan, you've got you know serious problems. So why not simply extend that logic to any magazine that will hold over 10 rounds, and to any weapon that can fire on a semi-automatic basis, you know, that, that doesn't have to be cocked or, or at least double action. I mean, why not simply say these are these kinds of things, what I just described, were not designed for hunting, they were not designed for sport use, although they can be used for sport, I have. I've shot all these things. I've shot Thompsons, I've shot Uzis, I've, you know, as a sports shooter. But they weren't designed for that. They were designed to kill people. And so let's get them off our streets. If somebody really wants to shoot an Uzi, let them go to a shooting range and rent one. Or an AR-15 for that okay. matter. What's wrong with that? You're listening to Tom Hartman. People are using CBD oil for all kinds of stuff, internally, externally. It's, it's extraordinary stuff. And New Leaf Naturals makes the best one out there. NUleafnaturals.com is the website for for pure CBD oil. It's non-intoxicating. It's made from hemp. It's legal all across the United States. You get the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. 
potent pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals, NU Leaf Naturals. It's the highest quality CBD oil on the market, 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown in the USA. The only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's NUleafnaturals.com. Save 30% off and receive free shipping in the US when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to NUleafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Well, I would have to say that, that I own an AR-15, and I do own it for sporting purposes. Now, I don't have major problems with people asking me, why do you want an AR-15? Because when I look at Texas, for instance, I see 144 people a day moving into Texas with all those gun, with all those open gun laws. You have people from all over the country, and especially from California, moving to Texas. And there has to be a reason. They're not all stupid. I mean, they're not all people that don't know that those gun laws are, you know, Texas is a very open gun state. But then again, California just kind of basically proved your point in the fact that California does have strict gun restrictions, 10-round magazines. You can own the AR-15, but it has to be devoid of its military looks, its military design. Yeah, well, see, I don't think they go far enough. But my, you know, your AR-15, Tim, I believe it fires supersonic rounds, right? Well, I mean, a 22 long rifle is a supersonic round. No, it's a, that's I mean, subsonic. That, that, uh, no, unless, unless you're really jacking your ammunition. No, Tom, it, it's, it, it's called standard, standard round, standard 22s are 1,100 feet per second or less. 1135 and above are supersonic. Right. And all 22 long rifles for hunting, every 22 rifle, long rifle. Okay, well, my point was that if you look at the kind of damage that is done to a human body by a 22 long rifle round versus an AR-15 round, the AR-15 round is going to be radically worse. And you're, well, but you're far more knowledgeable about, I'm sure, about the, you know, the, the nature and types of the various kinds of ammunition than I am. But my point is but that I reach out, but if, I you're, if you're saying that you have to have an AR-15 for sport, then I, you know, respectfully, I'd say you're not much of a sportsman. I mean, this is why we have, you, you know why we have duck loads. Right. I, 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 I absolutely give ground. I honor your honesty. Okay. I mean, if you Google honesty must be honored, you'll see that that's, you know, basically how I live my life. And I do agree that your, that your side, that your side of the, of the gun control debate is logical and reasonable. I don't see it as, as confiscating my guns. I just see it as somebody that says, why do you need this? And I have to come to terms with the fact that we live in a society, a, a, a Republican Democratic society, where you, where you can win the day. And what am I going to do if you win the day? I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to do anything radical. I'm, gonna, I'm going to comply with the laws. Like well, yeah, you I'm sell the AR-15 and you buy a Winchester, you know, buy an actual sporting rifle as opposed to a but weapon of war. Win- but if I buy a Winchester, let's just say it's a 30-30 or a 35 Remington, that actually it probably has more foot-pounds of energy than an AR-15. On an individual shot. shot, but you're not going to get 30 rounds out of it. No, but I mean, certainly... And, and, first, and it's those 30 first. rounds. That, that's, why these, that's why these shootings are so, so incredibly efficient. Uh, not, you know, I, I, don't think, I don't think I have an argument for that other, other than honest people should be, should be treated honestly. And this is the first time in my life 
I've ever seen people marching to take away constitutional rights. First time I've ever well, seen. Well, I, 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 you know, you're you're defining, you're you're assuming that the Heller decision. Well, I'm not. The Heller decision doesn't doesn't um, allow for or ban AR-15s. You, you could, you know, you could ban AR-15s without being in violation of what the Supreme Court, in their most expansive interpretation, Heller, which which I completely disagree with, and 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 you know, and I think that Scalia ban just the like AR-15. Yeah, I mean, you could ban AR-15s and it doesn't violate Heller. So it's not a constitutional right to have an AR-15. No, but it is a constitutional right to own and bear firearms. Well, it is. I it mean, is I, under Heller, and I'm and and that's and and I'm not saying we should overturn that. What you know, my my proposal is a get weapons of war off the streets, and b uh, if any and b license guns the way we license cars. You know, cars can kill people. They're not designed for that like guns are, but they can kill people. And that's why we started this three-part system of you must prove that you know what you're doing. You get a driver's license. You pass a written and actual Amen. test, number one. Number two, you have it registered from the time it's made until the time it's destroyed. So we always know who's responsible for this this thing that can yeah, kill people. If you register, you're going to come and take it, though. That's, I mean, registration has always been used to confiscate. Nobody has come and confiscated my car. Nobody has come well, and confiscated my house. I mean, that's that that that's a nonsense argument, Tim. I, if you if if you have a, a registered weapon which is legal, that, you know, I mean, I would think that you would want every gun to be registered so that if your gun ever gets stolen and used in a crime, you're absolved of responsibility because okay. you reported it. And then number three, liability I actually, insurance. I actually agree with you. I actually agree with you on number two. I think that that when I purchase a gun. It should, it should absolutely be marked with my name on it. The owner of this gun is now Tim, and my middle name and last name. Okay, right. that should be on that gun. I have no problem with that. Well, there's already a serial number. There, you know, guns are required to have serial numbers if, if they are imported into, manufactured in, or sold in the United States. Uh, so you've already got a serial number. It's just like a VIN number. The manufacturer has a, has a record of where that serial number, where that particular gun went until the point of sale. Uh, at least the point of okay. wholesale sale. And and I'm simply I'm saying, track that to the point of retail sale, just like we do with automobiles. And this fear that the government's going to come and take it away because they now know. I mean, you know, if the government wants to know if you've got a gun or not, they'll find it out really fast. True, but the Democratic, the Democratic politicians right now running for president said that I'm going to come and get them. That's, I'm going to ban these things. We're going to do buybacks. If you don't sell them... Yeah, Beto O'Rourke is out there. He's saying, yeah, the weapons of war shouldn't be on the streets. He's not saying I'm going to come and get them. He's going to say we're going to buy them back, which which is a hell of a lot more than we did for Thompson machine guns them. in 1935. When we outlawed... If I don't sell them, you're going to come get them. That's, if you don't sell them, I become a felon. That's Think about what you're doing. I mean, that's, that's just... We've that's already kind of done American. it, Tim, and it worked just fine. When you had, you know, during Prohibition... When Tommy guns became a real problem, when you had all this, this huge waves of crimes going on and people were shooting up bars and restaurants and each other and everything else with Tommy guns. Gang members uh, were, yes. Gang it wasn't gang members. It was John Dillinger, it was bootleggers. It was, it, you know, most of these wars had to do with selling alcohol because it was illegal. I don't and, like being compared to those people. I don't well, like being compared I'm not, to I'm not trying to compare you to them. Criminals. My point is, what we did was we said, okay, fully automatic weapons. Now you've got to get a license from the ATF to have them. If you don't have the license, okay. then you can't have the gun. And what happened was okay. over the course of the next generation, because it really wasn't until the 1950s or thereabouts, 
that those guns basically worked their way out of our society. People had them. They had them for decades. Nobody showed up at their door to kick the door in. But when they died and the gun got passed along to their kids, their kids said, hey, wait a minute, this is illegal. And they turned it in, destroyed it, or, or did whatever they could to get rid of it. Um, you know, it's just... I'm going to write a critique on your book on my website. I'm reading it through for the second time, so I don't become knee-jerk reactionary. And I'm very, very proud to be talking. Thank okay. Tim, thanks a lot for the call. Tweet me a review. Good to hear from you. Wynn in Salon, Maine. Hey, Wynn, you're on the air. What's up? You were talking about gun control and possible gun control policy where all people should be insured when they own their guns, and et cetera. I want to let you know that I am probably left of you on most matters, at least a little bit. And I do own firearms, but I live in a rural situation. And I think you'd agree that our country is awash with weapons, which is one of the reasons why I am armed to protect myself, my family, my kids, etc. But you it seemed like you were proposing a policy where I'm going to have to have insurance, which would be um, one of the reasons I think this is kind of a regressive policy you're, you're uh, proposing, because here's a bonanza. For the insurance companies. Which yeah, if you can't afford a hundred bucks a year for liability insurance, when you, you shouldn't own a gun. Well, I don't. I don't make that connection between being able to afford insurance and being able to allow it to be to defend myself. So uh, let me let me rephrase that. If you're not willing to spend a hundred dollars a year for liability insurance, then you shouldn't have a gun. I don't know. Your your gun is more likely to kill someone in your own house than anybody else. Number one. And number now, two, statistically be true, but it is not. It absolutely is. And and so I would think that you would want to insure yourself against that possibility, since that's since you have increased the probability of somebody dying in your house by 500 percent by having guns in your home. Number one. And number two, uh, I would think that you would want to live in a country where, you know, there is some some responsibility you know, the gun owners have some responsibility for their guns. The reason why we did these three things for cars, and all my proposal is, is that we simply treat guns the same way we do cars. And I'm assuming you have a car and you have car liability insurance. Uh, the only reason we did that was because cars started killing people. And cars aren't even designed to kill people. Guns are definitely designed to kill people. So if you've got something that's capable of killing people, then you want to make sure that, number one, we know who has these and where they are. Number two, that they Did have I been... sure my chainsaw? A, a chainsaw can kill people, you know? You are, I mean, in all probability, if you have health insurance, you're, A, your chainsaw is more likely to injure you than to kill you. Um, and, you know, and I, I lived in Vermont and New Hampshire for a total of 14, 15 years, and I used a chainsaw for years. And I, you know, I, I split wood every, for seven years, I heated with wood and split wood every, every uh, winter. Actually, you split wood in the fall for the winter. Uh, right. or, or in the spring. And the simple reality is the chainsaws don't kill anywhere near as many people as cars do. In fact, I've never heard of a person being killed by a chainsaw. I'm sure it happens all the time, but I've never heard of it. But I know people who have been killed well, in cars. All my point was, Tom, is that anything could be a weapon. No, not anything true. could be a weapon. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you, yes, you can kill somebody with your fist. But the simple fact yeah. of the matter is that 6,000 pounds of steel going down the highway at 60 miles an hour is 
can be can be rapidly lethal and a gun is designed to be lethal and if we're saying that you have to have insurance to have a car why not say you have to well i'm asserting that we should be saying that you should have to have insurance to have a gun i think it's crazy that if the shooter in el paso that killed those people those, those 22 people if he had killed them with a car if he had tried to run them over the geico would have been paying their families a million bucks each and would have been looking over his shoulder at the time he applied for insurance, but because he had a gun, nobody was checking him out. This is a well, free market solution. This is something Republicans should love. Let me make one more point about insurance. I can easily make the point that when somebody's insured, they feel a little more happy-go-lucky about driving their car. Hey, I'm insured. And a lot of people do feel that way, so I'm not so sure insurance. I don't think there's that many sociopaths, you know, out there driving wind who would say, hey, I've got car insurance, so if I hit somebody and kill them, you know, say a pedestrian, I'm not even going to get injured in the accident, I'm going to hit a pedestrian and kill them, then uh, my insurance is going to pay for it. I, well, I can't imagine anybody thinking that way. Well, we are talking about sociopaths here, because who takes a gun and kills somebody intentionally? Well, a lot you of know? people do. A lot of people. In fact, the, the majority of people who are killed with guns are killed because, because a husband and wife got into a fight and the husband picked up the gun and shot the wife. Yeah, but you cannot buy an insurance policy or mandate insurance policies and say that's going to take care of our sociopaths. No, and I'm not saying that, but I'm, what I am saying is it's going to take care of the death from the gun. Now, when we've, we've exhausted this argument, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the plug on it. Uh, Robert in Chase City, Virginia. Hey, Robert, what's up? Yes, what do you think the chances are the Russians have an explosion over there. What do you think the chances are that they were working on a neutron bomb? Well, all the all the news reporting I've seen suggests that what they're looking at is instead of propelling a rocket with uh, you know a fuel made out of fossil fuels, basically, or chemicals associated with fossil fuels that runs out, they're trying to propel a rocket with nuclear power so that that rocket, rather than only going 500 or 1,000 miles, could go you know, over a half hour or an hour period at the most, that that rocket could travel for hours and hours, for days, for weeks, fly around in the, in the, in the upper atmosphere, be undetectable or be very difficult to track, and you get a bunch of these things. Problem is that you've got a flying nuclear reactor. Wherever it comes down, it's going to be spraying radiation like crazy all over the place. And in all probability, it's going to be blowing some radiation out the back end as exhaust as well. I mean, it's, I, I think it's an insane idea. Apparently, the United States tried it back in the late 1950s, early 1960s, and decided it was an insane idea. But, uh, you know, it appears that this is what Russia was doing. I, I don't speak with any authority on this. I don't know. I'm just telling you what I, you know, what I read in the newspaper and see on the news. But that appears to be what they were up to. Neutron bombs, by the way, that's a fully mature technology, and they exist. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they were trying to build a neutron bomb. They've already got them. Jared in Downington, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jared, what's on your mind? I just got back from uh, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania yesterday, Tom. Mm -hmm. I was visiting uh, the battlefield, uh, the Gettysburg Museum, the Eisenhower National Memorial House, and... Um, it was a very fun experience, uh, very, very interesting, a lot of history, um, and uh, just, uh, uh, do you know how many um, Union soldiers died in Gettysburg? No, I don't. Uh, uh, about a little bit over 3,000. A little bit um, over 4,000 Confederates. 
the deadliest battle in all of the Americas. That's incredible. It, it is. It is. And, that's that's um, why Lincoln chose of, Gettysburg to give his uh, famous address? Yes. Because, because it was such a bloody battle? Yes. Hmm. And it, it did turn the tide in the, uh, the, the, the war with uh, Pickett's charge there. Mm-hmm. And they were going there. They were going there for for shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, General Lee's army. They were literally just going there to get shoes and then head to, I believe, Philadelphia. But uh, anyway, I'm getting a little bit off topic. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about what the the Confederacy and this history of violence. I think a lot of our problems stem from just this idea of uh, of. Gun violence, uh, the Second Amendment, as you brought up with slave patrols, and then these slave patrols eventually turned into the Confederate Army. And the and police departments in the South, which is, which is why police. if you're shot by a stranger in the South, odds are one in three that you were shot by a cop. And why yeah. the seventh leading cause of death for black men under 40 is, is death by police. Yeah. And in, in, in a lot of ways, you could say that a lot of these gun nuts are basically just the Confederate government in exile since in 1865. Yep. That they, they've, they've basically just gone into an insurg- a low-level insurgency mode since. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and you don't have to be a Southerner to be a Confederate, as far as I'm concerned. There was Confederates in Missouri. There was Confederates in kentucky there was confederates in new york city of all places uh and um trump is just the long line in this the confederate cracker if you will a white establishment in the united states that is trying to preserve this culture of death with gun violence yeah and we we have to do something about it we really do we we, we can't be having assault weapons on our streets and, and semi-assault weapons, too. That, yeah. that seems to be the big thing with these AR-15s, which seems to be all these recent mass shootings in the United States. Not all of them, but the majority of them, yeah. The majority of them. And, and certainly the deadliest yeah. ones. I mean, because the AR-15, I mean, you get a hit by a bullet with an AR-15, it's going to punch a hole the size of your fist. Other bullets from other kinds of weaponry, not so much. So anyhow, I got I to gotta run, Jared. I think your point is well taken, though, and I don't disagree at all. Until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that because after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite, my wife convinced me that there was one that was worth sharing. Well, a year later, I have to say she was right. Louise said once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was easy, and she's kept it off. I've also heard from listeners that it worked for them, and now my producer, Sean, is trying Ridgizone, too. The fact that the only ingredient in Ridgizone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant appeals to her as well. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgizone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off, plus free shipping. Go to Ridgizone.com, that's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com, Ridgizone.com. That's Ridgizone.com, promo code TOM, Ridgizone.com. 
You're listening to Tom Hartman. John in Minneapolis. Hey, John, what's up? Yeah, um, I just wanted to relate the gun rights issue uh, to my own congresswoman who is afraid to appear in public because uh, people are threatening to kill her. This and is Ilhan Omar? Yes, and I think that they probably wouldn't stop at just uh, killing her, but, uh, you know, at the state fair, she was threatened. I don't know that she appeared. I haven't been there, and I haven't heard that she actually uh, did appear there. But, you know, this is impinging on my right as a, as a uh, citizen of this country to exercise my, you know, political choice and, you know, choose her as my congressman. She hasn't done anything illegal. She may not be popular in certain quarters in this country, like, I guess, the whole Republican, con- you know, congressional delegation right. in Alabama, apparently, want to censor her and prevent, you know, they would like to remove her from Congress, but she hasn't broken any law. There's a divide in this country. Yes, we are still in a civil war, apparently, in their minds, and it's their way or the highway. I hear this over and over again, people attacking me on Facebook because I support this person as as my congressperson. I don't tell them who to vote for. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's very frustrating at this point in our history that this is where we're at. Like, we have to, you know, we're literally at the bottom here. And, uh, yes, I think it's a chilling effect on political uh, speech, in a sense, and political, you know, to, to, for me to assembly, assemble with other people in a, in a public place. How about my rights? When people talk about gun rights, it's all about them. It's not about my freedom not to get shot. I won't visit Texas. I don't feel safe there. I really feel sorry for people that live there, that they can't go to a public place. They they don't want to go anywhere because they they might get shot. Yeah, this I mean, is how like about the old. Right, that, that's that's the issue. You in, know, in, in right. a way, this is like the old tobacco. I mean, the argument you're making is the old tobacco argument, where yeah. you know people would say, "Well, I have a right to smoke," and I was and I would say, "But I have a right to breathe clean air." Exactly. And so, you know, when your rights are impinging on other people's rights, there has to be some kind of give and take that is doesn't even exist because we have a faction of people who, you know, the gun lobby, essentially the gun manufacturers, right. who are dictating. Yeah, they're doing it just like the old tobacco lobby. John, I'm, I'm, we're hitting a break, but thank you yeah. for the call. Your point is very well made. Kenneth in Nevada. Hey, Kenneth. I heard you talking about the AR-15, and I just got interested. And you know, I was in the uh, military for 13 years, and I uh, had um, marksmanship ribbon for the AR-15. Mm-hmm. And or the uh, military version thereof. I, I I don't think it's AR. It's something else. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. M16. Yeah, M16. Yeah. So yeah, it does what it was designed to do real well, which is to kill people at no more than a hundred yards. You know, right. uh, with with its equipped sight, you know. But otherwise, uh, y'all was talking about muzzle velocity, and I was just trying to look it up. But uh, I think that it has about a 4,000 foot per second uh, muzzle velocity. Wow, that's super so supersonic. The M16, the M16 does, and it uses the same uh, the same, uh, same round. Uh, bullet as the yeah. AR-15. Yeah, it's one of the highest velocity, uh, muzzle velocity bullets there is. Uh, about the only thing higher is like a 22 Swift. Okay. Okay. 
But uh, I think that's correct. That might not be. I was looking it up, and I haven't found it before you got me. But I wanted to talk about gun control, too, and what I think about gun control. Go for it. I'm an old man, and um, I'm a proud gun owner. <laughs> and um, um, I think that people who want to own guns should be licensed by the state just, just like people who want to drive cars. That's my argument. And... Uh, not just a license to shoot, but a proficiency test by the state for each and every weapon that the person wants to shoot. Right, just, just like, like we have with cars. Just like you have with various types of cars, trucks, vehicles. Motorcycles. You get, yep. you get a license. You get a different kind of license. For, yep, you get a different get kind of license for a motorcycle or for a, for a big rig or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. 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 absolutely. Yeah. Get your license stamped for revolver, automatic pistol. Mm -hmm. You know, every class of gun you want to shoot, you got to get that sucker stamped. Then on top of that, they got to have liability insurance, just like you got a car. Yeah, yeah. I think it's well, crazy yeah. that that if if Adam Lanza, the you know the guy who shot up all those children at Newtown, if he had mowed them down in a crosswalk, you know, the same with the same intent, you know, driving a, a car, you know, a big car, trying to kill kids. Geico would be writing a check for a million bucks to each one of the families, but because he shot them with an AR-15, eh, nothing. And the Republicans passed a law that says that the families of those kids cannot sue the manufacturers. So there's no liability anywhere. Well, yeah, I think if people want to shoot guns like that, they ought to go in the military. And um, yeah, otherwise, no ownership on the street. You know, I got a little old, uh, I got 22 uh, Magnum bolt action, beautiful little gun, mm -hmm. but it's not a stupid looking, toy looking thing, you know, yeah. I hate that style, and you know, that's about all I had to say. Well, he said it very well, Ken. Uh, Let's see here, Steve in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Steve, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's up? The cancerous NRA and the Republicans do like to say that it's a mental health issue, and you know, if these shooters had a real job with real benefits, real wages, and the like, most of these people aren't going to go off half-cocked and shoot up someplace. There's it's actually a little... lot of truth to what you're saying, Steve, but it's bigger than just what you're saying. If you look at the research that has been done by uh, Richard Wilkinson and Kate Pickett in the United Kingdom at, a, the, at qualitytrust.org.uk, it is inequality as well, as, and, 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 and it's not poverty. These are not poor people, by and large. In fact, the Las Vegas shooter was worth millions of dollars. It is inequality. Inequality distorts cultures, distorts societies, and massively distorts mental health. And inequality leads to higher levels of violence, of crime, uh, and of mass shootings. Back to you, Steve. Yeah, exactly, Tom. Uh, I feel a part of the equation. Yeah. And it, it, we are. We're totally unequal. And, and it's, it's leading to all these things. Forty years of this has taken its toll. Yeah. Where I'd like to go with this is, you know, with Texas is establishing these uh, new laws and stuff, I've never been there. And uh, they've had a lot of shootings here lately. Frankly, I'm afraid to go there. Now, if I went back to my heritage, you know, my heritage is from Germany and Ireland. That's where, you know, we all come from. Um, than to Wisconsin, you know. But uh, if, if I was in Germany or Ireland, I think I'd be a bit afraid to visit the United States now with all this going on. I and where I'm going right. with this here is, is, are there any, maybe you can answer this, are there any countries issuing any travel warnings to their citizens for 
from abroad, foreign nations. Yes. That, okay. Yes. This is going to impact our, our nation economically, and this is not a good thing. You know. We have seen we have seen a substantial drop in tourism from China, and about a month ago, or maybe two months ago, China issued a warning to the, their citizens saying, you know, your risk of being shot in the United States is radically higher than anywhere any other developed country in the world. Be careful. I believe Japan has issued a similar warning. Maybe not. Um, you know that you know Abe might have prevented that. But there were several countries uh, in in the in East Asia uh, that have issued these kinds of warnings. And I'm not sure that it's come out of any European countries yet. But but whether the State Department of an individual nation issues a warning or not, uh, the people are getting it. I mean, you know, these these stories are echoing all around the world. And oh yeah, it's it's got to take its toll and stuff, and yeah. it kind of goes back to like the old Kennedy, Ted Kennedy thing. You know, he was talking about raising the minimum wage. You know, like when does the greed stop? Yeah. What I'd like to know is when does this violence stop? And I think it, the violence will stop when we finally get a more equal society, good wages, Medicare for all, the whole nine yards. I don't want to keep going on here. No, but you made your point, Steve, and you made it very well, and I I, I agree with you. Thanks, Thank you buddy. very much for the call. Michelle in Panorama, California. Am I saying it right, Michelle? Uh, pa- Panorama City, correct. Oh, Panorama yeah. City. Okay, what's up? Uh, well, my I wanted to kind of uh, make a comment about Texas. My grandmother was from a small town in Texas um, originally, and I believe that a lot of what you're seeing with these gun laws being passed right now is their fear of, of a lot of the white community of the other coming in, because Texas has been changing a lot demographically from what it originally was. That years ago, I went to my grandmother's um, a, a few times when she moved back to Texas. I went to where she lived at. It's a community about two hours away from San Antonio, and there was literally, the whole town was white. There was maybe two Mexicans in the whole, Mexican descent people in the whole town. And I had these younger cousins who would now be in their early 40s, who actually had gone to Dallas to Six Flags, and they were afraid to even go past the entrance because there was a bunch of African-American teenagers hanging around the entrance, and they had been terrified just to even walk past these people of African-American descent. Wow. So now, I, I, a few years ago, I ran into somebody who was from that area, and they told me there was a big influx of people of Latino descent in that community. So you have a lot of these small towns that were white who are now mixed racially in a 20-year period. Is that making those towns more tolerant or less tolerant? Or at least the white people Uh, in those towns? I think it's a mix, because I I would assume that the younger generation being exposed to people, they become friendly with them, but the older people, like my cousins, were they have these ingrained fears of people who are the other. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. That are going back from when they never grew up around anybody who looked different than they did. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. So, do you think that the that the fear of non-whites is like one of the things that's well? Obviously, I mean, we, we the, the the El Paso shooter, his his whole screed was you know a replacement theory. This this replacement theory that that Donald Trump and Steve Bannon and the uh, white supremacists and the Nazis have been have been promoting for years and years and years that white people are going to be replaced by people of people of color in the in this country. 
Now, El Paso, I've been to El Paso um, before, too, and it's a very, it's always had, because it's right there, it's a border town, has a, a big Latino population. So they, sure. people there, they, they were fine with each other. Yeah. You know, right, as as no is the case, in, in as far as I know, in all of the border towns. Right, right, because, you know, it's, it's I mean, like I said, like, really, like I said, it was like a stark contrast with these cousins. I mean, they grew up in a community where they had one movie theater that showed one movie on Wednesday and Thursday, one showing, and another movie was shown, or like, like one movie was shown two days a week, and another movie was shown two other days a week. Nobody locked their doors. They didn't lock their cars. They left their purses on their car doors. So then their communities have now gotten bigger and grown, and I'm sure that a lot there's a lot of other just it's different than what they have. Well, also our society as a whole over the last 40 years has gotten poorer outside of the very, very rich people, and that, that drives fear and crime as well. Great talking with you. Thank you. Whether it's dealing with the little aches and pains of life or getting a good night's sleep or just, you know, in general, the, the, the good feeling from CBD oil. Louise and I really, really like New Leaf Naturals CBD oil, NU Leaf Naturals. It's not intoxicating. Um, it's made from hemp. Uh, it's the same cannabinoids found in medical marijuana, the CBD part of it, the non-intoxicating part, but it doesn't have the getcha high stuff in it. And New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market, 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the USA. The only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's N-U-LeafNaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. That's N-U-LeafNaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Jeremy in Los Angeles. Hey, Jeremy, what's up? I just wanted to speak about how ridiculous um, the notion is of the gun nuts and the NRA. You know, they have this notion that any regulation of guns is anti-constitutionalist, but they paint themselves into a logical corner. You know, they believe themselves, as you said, to be originalists, textualists, or whatever. But you were kind of hitting at this earlier that the Constitution doesn't say anything about guns. It says arms, which You're would, would include things like mortars, like you were saying earlier, or well, tanks. Well, and beyond that, if you actually look at, if you look at the, the meaning of the language in the 1700s, not wanting to sound too much like an originalist, arms, <laughs> being under arms was a phrase that literally meant being in the military. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's just utterly ridiculous. Obviously, we would never accept anything beyond guns, so why is it that they draw that line there as if that's some hard line that uh, can't be, you know, is inviolable? It's ridiculous. We have reasonable restraints and regulations, uh, and always have, like you're saying, on weapons. And yeah. so if a weapon is too dangerous, obviously we have to do something about it, and we're completely within our constitutional rights to do so. Right, and we do that with fully automatic weapons already, and we can do it with semi-automatic weapons and weapons of war and the high-capacity magazines and all this other stuff. Spot on. Paul in Wilmington, Delaware, it says here you want to disagree with me. So you go to the front of the list. What's up? 
Well, I just wanted to say that in, in schools, I think that if the teacher has a gun, the situation might be much more like Little House on the Prairie than like the Wild Wild West. He doesn't have to go look for them. He barricades the door, he puts the kids behind him, and the door's in front of him. You realize that there have been two or three now instances where police officers who are in schools have left their guns in the bathroom and kids have found them. And I think it's amazing that we have not yet had a kid shot by accident in a school. If you bring a, a gun into a home, we know that the risk of suicide goes up at least 500% in that household, and the risk of an accidental death goes up over 400%, four times. Why would it be different in a school? I'm not sure. Okay. I, I just don't my, see the, the trade-off is worth it, number one. And number two, if you think that you're going to have time, if somebody's coming in, if somebody's running into a school with a semi-automatic weapon and firing away like crazy with a high-capacity clip, and you think that the teacher's going to have time to close the door, barricade the door, get the kids into, into a safe position, you should have a conversation with some of the teachers in Parkland or Newtown. V-Box. V-O-X. They, they're talking about how their consultants are going around and teaching people how to barricade the Oh, I know they're, I know they're going around doing this. You've got active shooter drills going on in every school in America right now that are traumatizing children. In some cases, they have people running through the halls with, with guns that are firing blanks, and the kids don't know that they're blanks. They don't know that the guy's not an active shooter. And these kids are going to be scarred for the rest of their lives. And all of this seems just fine with you. You've got all these, these semi-automatic weapons and high-capacity magazines and weapons of war on our streets. That seems to be fine with you. And your solution to this is to give guns to teachers? I, Come on, Paul. Give me, give me something you're rational here. You're not focusing. I didn't say anything about what my positions on high-capacity magazines. Or well, if all those things were gone, the teachers, there would not be a problem. You, so that Second Amendment banning? I'm not talking Second about Amendment. the Second Amendment here. No. The Second Amendment does not guarantee anybody a right to an AR-15. You're right. It does not guarantee you, them a right to a high-capacity magazine. It 19, does... Go ahead. If you do a 1994-style ban, the weapons are still out there. No, the, 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 actually, if Even you look the at the 10 years the from, from 94 to 2005, when we had an assault weapon ban, there was actually a decrease in crimes committed by assault weapons. You can look at it. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to argue that. I'm going to argue that the guns are still out there. Sure, but if you if you just as Thompson machine guns were still out there, let me let me finish the sentence once in a while here, Paul. Just like Thompson machine guns were still out there in 1936 and 37 and 38 after they got banned in 1935, but by 1950 you couldn't find a Thompson machine gun. Because what happened was, over time, people turned them in, people destroyed them, people sold them to museums, whatever. And particularly if you had a gun buyback program, you'd get them out a whole lot faster. Australia went through this in 1996, and it took about a decade to flush you know, the, 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 the high-capacity weapons of war out of Australia's systems. But they did. They succeeded in doing it. We could do the same thing here. But the, the bulk... But the, the solution is not, is not putting guns into the hands of teachers. Teachers are not, are not law enforcement. The bathtub of weapons is so full that we can't do what Australia did. Of course we can. The Second Amendment has screwed, has screwed us.
No, uh, but we can the still do it, Paul. Has screwed us. I, I'm not disagreeing with you on that, but I still think that we can do this. We're, we're the United States of America. We're not helpless and we're not stupid. Well, you know, we may have stupid, helpless people, you know, in the Republican Party trying to run this country, but, but you know, I think the American people as a whole are not. Um, Dave in Armstrong Creek, Wisconsin. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Good. Hey, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm 67 years old. I've been a gun owner all my life. Uh, my father taught me how to hunt at an early age. He was actually uh, uh, has had a hobby of, of gunsmithing. Mm-hmm. He built custom rifles. He was in the NRA for quite a few years, and he got he quit when they got political. Right. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to make a just correct you on one thing that you said. The uh, AR-15 shoots, I believe, it's a 223 round high velocity. You're correct on that. But it's a very small bullet, and when it enters the human body, it doesn't blow a big hole. It generally goes where it wants to go. It tumbles. You could be shot in the upper part of the body. The bullet could end up in your leg. And that's the damage that it does. That was what it was designed for. It was designed to kill people. Anyway, I've never had the desire to own one, and I do have friends that own the AR-15 or like, you know, the AK-47s. I'm not sure why they, right. you know, they do. Uh, for me, uh, you know, I, I have quite a few guns yet. I Basically, the only gun that leaves the house now is I deer hunt a couple t- days out of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, those those are different type of bullets. Those are, those are they're, there's a shock failure there. They're bigger bullets, and they're high velocity also. The design on those AKs or, and the ARs are built to damage people. Right. And thank you, know, you for teaching me that, Dave. I my I, I was conflating two different things. The the I, I remember now. Yes, the, that these bullets are designed to tumble through the body and and create massive damage and you know basically kill people. Whereas the bullets that you use for things like deer hunting, they produce a hydrostatic shock. You know, a shock wave that goes Correct. through the body yes. that knocks it down, knocks it over, knocks it unconscious, knocks it dead. Yeah. Anyway, I agree with you. Most of what you say about gun ownership, and uh, uh, I would have no problem if they, uh, you know, took AKs off the market. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Thanks a lot, Dave. Good to hear from you, Derek in Detroit. Hey, Derek, what's up? Yes, I have uh, two points actually. The first point being is that by arming teachers, female teachers, male teachers, when the activity is occurring and everyone pulls out their guns, who does the police put their attention to? That's the one. It, it's right. This is like this is like the guy who stopped stopped the active shooter a couple a month or so ago, and the police showed up and they thought that he was the shooter and they shot him dead. Exactly. So that so that's the one point. Most people get killed with their own guns. The second point is, you know, I, I'm a deer hunter also. And being a deer hunter, uh, one of the things that I know is that when you aim that weapon with the intent to shoot and kill, that is not an easy thing to do for people who don't do it. Right. Uh, it was difficult right. for me the first time. And so what ends up occurring is you end up you will end up pulling that weapon pointing that weapon and you will hesitate right 
because that's not your that's not your forte. Yeah, that was my and argument that, that these that these teachers are not law enforcement. They have not gone through the train through, right. through the genuine training. Yeah, you might have some consultant come in and charge the school district fifty thousand bucks to teach everybody how to shoot and, on the target range in the backyard, that's, but that's a whole different thing from confronting a perpetrator. And, and it's a whole different thing when uh, someone is shooting back. Yeah, um, for sure. And and so I think this is about the money. Yeah, we'll train these people. We'll set up all these different groups and organizations, and through the NRA or whoever, we'll we'll spend this money to train these people. But uh, that that's going to get a whole lot of people shot. Considering even if you consider these people have good aim to begin with. Yeah, and not shoot something that they're not aiming at. And yeah, that's the only shoot. Point. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and I I have heard that from friends who've been in the military who were in the Vietnam War, and 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 I heard that loud and clear when I went through the 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 training that I went through at the Georgia Police Academy back in I think it was '96, and uh, you know that you may think you know what it's like to be under fire, but you have no friggin' idea until it happens. You have, you have no idea when I go deer hunting, they say, oh yeah, it's easy to shoot the deer, but what if they're shooting back? Then what kind of nerves are you gonna have? Right, or if somebody's shooting in the, in the vicinity or and somebody. takes a piece out of a tree near you, suddenly the whole world and changes. I've, I've had that occur too, and a certain level of fear will walk through you. Oh, I, you know, Louise and I used to own 400 acres in Vermont, and we, we posted it, no hunting, but there were hunt, hunters on it all the time, and, and I've been out in my own forest and had people shoot yeah. guns in the in the neighborhood, you know, close enough that I know that they're within a few hundred yards of me. And it just, it, you know, it, it it is frightening and it is angering and you just get all this adrenaline. And, and that's not even being under fire. That's just, hey, something's going on nearby. I get it. Derek, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Well said to you, Chuck. You wanted to talk about guns. Yeah, uh, a great book, Commander in Chief. I recommend to everybody. Anyway, um, when laser pointers and drones were identified as a danger to aviation, new laws and regulations were quickly passed to restrict and penalize. Why can't the same kind of apply to the continual advances in firearms, such as automatic weapons? Because of the um, NRA. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. that's really what it just comes down to. Because the gun weapon, the, because the gun manufacturing lobby is so powerful, they own so many politicians. That's the bottom line. That's sad state. Anyway, yeah. that's just wanted to get that off. It Thanks. really is. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, the laser pointer, that, that's a, a brilliant point, Chuck. Thanks a lot for making it. James in Spokane. Hey, James, what's up? Hey, Tom. Hello, my fellow Spinozan. Okay, what's up? Let, let me point out, we can't have a shotgun wedding without a shotgun. Okay. But, um, <laughs> um, Donald Trump's middle name, did you know the initial was for John? I thought it was James. Uh, my understanding is Don John, Donald John, but you know I could be wrong. It would be appropriate because he thinks there's a Lotharia grabbing women and raping women, so Don Juan would be very appropriate for that. Oh sure. yeah, yeah. If it was, yeah, that's a good but, one. Um, concerning general racism in this country, Tom, why it continues so venomously? I really believe because all the old money in, in this country was derived by slaves owning slaves, dealing with slave owners. You know, so th these people unconsciously, subconsciously, of course, they're going to be anti-black. They're going to think that it's righteous to be that way because that's where their wealth came from. Yeah, well, that's where most of America's wealth came from. At the start of the Civil War, the value of enslaved people in the South was greater than the rest of the economy. I mean, it's just, it's yeah, mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. It James, thanks a lot for the call. And thank you for being with us today. It's great to be back. And now that fall is here, we can really start working on 
getting some good electoral results, getting some real progressives elected, helping turn this country around. Uh, because, boy, we have been running to the ground by 40 years of Reaganomics. So anyhow, get out there, get active. Don't forget, it requires you. Democracy does tag. You're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 